0: Well, again, good morning to you. Uh, Merry Christmas. How many days till Christmas? All the kids. <laughs> Every time. All right, so the adults. How many days till Christmas? That was like everybody under 20. Um, yeah, I tell you what, it's going to be exciting. We have my wife's family coming next fr- this coming Friday for several days, uh, about eight or nine of those, and then they leave in the same day, then all of my, about eight or nine, uh, seven, eight, nine, I don't know if my family members, I don't really know who, they're okay. Um, they're coming for about a week, so I'm going to be feeding a lot of people. Uh, and then we start thinking about all the gifts and things like that on Christmas Day, of course. Um, I want to speak just to the husbands real quick. I'm one of the husbands who my wife always says, even yesterday, what do you want for Christmas? And I say, I'm good, I don't need anything, I'm fine. And then Christmas morning when I don't get very much, I go, I didn't get very much. Anybody else married to that person? Yeah, like, don't do that. It's, I, I've, I've learned, even recently I've been convicted, meaning by my wife today, that <laughs> it's not fair to them. It's not fair to them because then they want to do what is loving and kind, and I say nothing, and they don't get me very much because I'm like, no, I don't need anything. I don't want you to get me anything. And then I'm like, I didn't get anything. One of the things I've been thinking about this year for my wife and I to share as a gift, that was something I didn't present the best way possible. I said, hey, honey, what if together we get an exercise bike? Um, And (laughs) she's like, what are you trying to say? I said, I'm trying to say that maybe I want an exercise bike. And I started to evaluate whether or not I would actually use it very much. Uh, you know you know what I'm talking about. It's like that thing that you get in January and uh, you use it every day because there's some, there is something about it for me. I love getting, uh, putting on a sweatshirt, putting the hood over my face, and I'm just pedaling and pedaling and pedaling, and I'm just on the floor, just a puddle of just sweat and perspiration. Isn't that awesome? Wow, like, just, just say yes. Um, I, lo- I love it. There's something about it, and, um, but then I started to evaluate. I was like, is this something I'd really use? Is this something that in January I'm using every day, 6 a.m., I'm going to be disciplined and determined, and there I am. I'm going to get in shape again, and then come February, um, I use it once a week, and then come March, um, once every other week and by June I forget that I own it and by next November I go maybe I should get an exercise bike and my wife has to remind me you already have one right and I think that's the struggle that we have often with a lot of gifts what are we going to do with it how much are we going to use it what's it going to look like how is it going to impact our life I think we're going to be able to examine that a little bit today. We're looking at the story of Simeon, and this is actually, we're jumping right after the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 and following, you find Mary and Joseph, they go and have the child, but then afterwards what you find is you have Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple. They have to bring them for for a ceremonial reason for circumcision, and so if you would go ahead and open up Luke chapter two, verse twenty five and following, and I'd like to I would like to read some of this to you. But we know that all good Jewish families, that was Mary and Joseph, they really had three primary ceremonies that they had to make sure that they. Uh, fulfilled. One was making sure that circumcision took place for a male, of course. Um, Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3 speaks about that. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3. Another ceremony that they would make sure that they would honor and that they would observe is one that dealt with redemption of that firstborn. It's kind of a repurchasing, and you find that through in Exodus chapter 13 with this sacrificial offering that they would make. A third would be about purification for 40 days of purification from the mother after circumcision for a male. Um, often it was 80 days for a female, for a daughter. Um, you find that in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Leviticus 12, 6 through 8. But these are ceremonies that they would have been following. And so they're following one right now. They're jumping into it and they're bringing this child by the name of Jesus into the temple for circumcision and for this opportunity. And what you find is this guy by the name of Simeon. I want to tell you a little bit about Simeon before we even jump into it. We don't know this from Scripture, but according to some other texts that we have, um, it's believed that he was 113 years old. He was someone who was a part of a Hebrew group called the Quiet of Israel. These are people who are waiting for the Messiah to come. These are individuals who knew just in the Torah, all right, first five books of the Old Testament. Ready? Sam with me. Genesis, Exodus, perfect, also called the Pentateuch. So we know that there's over 300 prophecies just there in the Torah of the coming of the Messiah being prophesied, being spoken about. And so he's a part of a group called the, the Quiet of Israel who's waiting for the Messiah who's been prophesied about to come. This old guy who's coming into the temple every single day, waiting and waiting... For the Messiah. And so this is what unfolds. Luke chapter 2, 25 and following. There was a man in in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Luke chapter 2, 25 through 28a. So we learn a lot about Simeon very quickly. One, we know that he was a devout man. We know that he was righteous. He was one Pursuing God, right? Desiring to be obedient to God. Isn't that what it means to be righteous, to be devout? Someone who is dedicated to God and to the teachings that were before him, to staying true to them and and living those out in his life. And here he is, part of that religious group called the Quad of Israel, who is now waiting on the Messiah, who knew Scripture, who knew the Word, and he is there. And you can just think about Mary and Joseph. All of a sudden, they're walking into the temple courts. The Holy Spirit then speaks to Simeon and says, guess what? This is the one. You've been waiting on him. This is the one. You think about the energy. You think about the excitement that would come within him because he's been preparing for this day with, with excitement, with anticipation of what is to come. I told you before, my, you know, my family's going to be coming, my, my wife's side and then mine, uh, this in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun to have them around. And um, I tell you, when people come to your house, you start to prepare, don't you? Isn't that what you do? You, you get ready. All day, the day before, my kids will be cleaning. They're in here now. You are going to be cleaning like crazy. I'm going to be busy at work. Um, and it's called good parenting. I'm teaching them discipline. Um, and so we've got to get ready, and that's what you do. And that's how we are with anybody who comes to our house. We want to know if we can because we've got to make sure everything is clean and put away. Um, you know, if we ever have a cleaner come, my wife's the one who cleans for the cleaner. I'm like, why are you cleaning? That isn't, uh, uh, anybody, right? Um, and that's what we do. Someone's coming, and we want to get ready. And so all of a sudden, here's this guy, Simeon. And the, the, the chosen one, the prophesied one, is coming into the temple. And you know that he has been waiting for this. And right away he acknowledges him. It's the very first thing we find with Simeon. We learn about him, but we find very quickly. You know what Simeon did? Is He acknowledged hope. Do you acknowledge hope? The hope that is Jesus. Because it's far more than what I think we've made it. Do we acknowledge hope? Hope, do we do something really with it? Are we willing to be transformed? That's what we speak about at Chapel Point, to be a transformed follower of Jesus. Well, if you're a transformed follower of Jesus, that means you acknowledge, you receive the hope that God has ushered into the world in the form of a baby by the name of Jesus Christ. What does acknowledging hope mean to you? It tells us, verse 28, it says, He took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and said, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Right now, and leave the scripture up there if you would, but he's jumping back. He's going into Isaiah, okay? And so here he is, Lord. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. Right away, verse twenty-eight. He's acknowledging this hope, and he begins to bless the Lord, to praise God. Is another way to think about it. He acknowledges hope, and because he acknowledges that this is the one, he began to praise God, to bless God. You're going. I know that sometimes for us today we go, man, bless the Lord. We need to bless the Lord, Um, and for us and the the way that we have redefined the word to bless. It doesn't always make sense to us. But a simple way of thinking about blessing the Lord is to truly, with all that you have, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with the depths of your soul, you want to speak well and to offer yourself to the greatness of God. You want to bless Him. I am yours. Take all of me. And so all of a sudden, Simeon is saying, wow, it's come to fruition This child has come, the Messiah is here, and I want to bless you, O Lord, with all that I have. And so he acknowledged hope, and so he began to praise God. Now, as all of this is happening, the father and the mother, they're, they're marveling at all that's unfolding before them. But then it jumps into verse 33 and 34, and it tells us the following. It says his father's his mother, they marveled at what was said, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You want to talk about some whiplash They walk into the temple, circumcision, here we go, we're we're a good Jewish couple, we're going to do what we need to do. And Simeon comes and takes his child, because here's Holy Spirit speaking into his life, saying, this is the one. He's excited, he can't believe he's now there at the age of 113 holding this child. And then, later on, he looks at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and says, by the way, um, this child is going to, to cause the fall and the rise of many. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. Luke jumps in as the author and says, listen, you need to know. All of a sudden there's this, this darkness that's been injected into the story. Right, we want to just celebrate, and wow, here's the chosen one, here's the chosen one. But now all of a sudden we're being reminded, wait, yes, God is sending his son in the form of a baby in this moment. But th- it's also letting us know why that child is having to come. And he will be the cause of the rise and the fall of many. Many people will not believe in Jesus Christ. From the beginning it has been stated Many people, maybe even in this room, you, you may say, hey, you acknowledge Jesus as something, but not truly the author and the perfecter of life, not the savior of your life. And so here he is with this darkness being injected. And a sword will pierce your own soul. Rejection is predicted. Christ will not be received by all. And as much as Simeon is there in the temple welcoming this child and holding this child in awe of this child, he knows that this child will not be received by all. Do you acknowledge the hope of Jesus in your own life? It's a big question. If you want to know The reality of that for your own life, um, are you praising God? Because if you have truly embraced the Messiah, if you've acknowledged the hope of him coming into your life, you will speak of him. And that is something that we see here even with Anna. Anna jumps into the picture and we find Anna this. Anna is a prophetess. We know that she's at least 84 years old She's advanced in years, right? And it says that she lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. This is what's happening. You have Simeon and you have Anna. Here's Anna, one of the few prophetesses that we find in Scripture. And here she comes into the picture within the temple, and she's been waiting day and night. She, too, acknowledges the hope that she is now looking at. And she begins to worship and to praise God. And then it says that she begins to share, to speak of him to everyone else. One of the ways that you know if you've acknowledged the hope of Jesus Christ is if you are sharing faithfully that of Jesus Christ. Are you speaking of him? Here's another way to speak about it, to talk about it, is I know that we love to romanticize Christmas and everything that it's about and with all the traditions. It's a lot of fun. I get it. We do it as well as a family. But sometimes I think that we we look at the baby and we put him in this little nativity scene, this manger, and we go, Okay, well that's cute and that's nice and isn't it pleasant? But here's what we need to maybe possibly do. We need to take Jesus out of the manger. And we want to leave them in there because then it's nice, it's predictable, we know what's to come. And if we leave them in the manger, that means we can leave them there until next December 1st or the day after Thanksgiving. And then we can kind of bring them back out and put the nativity back up and we can feel good about it. And what we find here with Simeon and Anna is they didn't, they didn't just say, oh, this is a cute baby. They knew why this baby came. He would, call the, he would cause the rise and fall of many. And what they did is they said, you got to take them out of the nativity He's more than that child. Yes, he was an infant. Yes, he was human. But he was also full in his deity. He was also perfect. And he would cause the rise and fall of many. But he would also usher in hope and repentance and renewal for anybody who calls on his name. That's what was happening. Here's what I, I, I think I, my challenge would be for us today. Is... um. I think sometimes we struggle to take Jesus out of the manger. Here's another way to say it. I've got some friends. They're going to bring something out for me this morning. And I want to make sure that you see this. Um, because when you acknowledge hope, it means something different to us. Um, thank you. Very kind. Very kind. Um, these are some of my clothes here. Um, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Hey, I'll just take it all. Thank you so much. Um, and so what we have done often in life is we've said, you know what? Oh, nice blanket here. Um, we look at Jesus Christ guitar case that doesn't ever get opened in my house, um, and we take Jesus and we think, man, this is an amazing gift. Isn't it cool to think about what this little child has done in our life as God has brought him forth? And we acknowledge that hope. Isn't this, isn't this cool? Isn't this amazing? But then over time what happens is that we take that very thing that we thought we wanted for Christmas and it ends up in the back of your bedroom or maybe even in the, above your garage Or maybe in your room that you never walk into. And in time, it begins to serve a different purpose. Does anybody resonate with this? And in time, it's hard for people to even see if he's there. What is that? And then you start to go, well, I'm not sure. See, I think this is what we've done to Jesus in our life. We said, yeah, that's a great idea. It's a great thought. But in time, we just kind of set them to the back, and, and other things start to weigh that down. They start to crowd them out. Some of us have taken, this represents so many different things to so many of us. Maybe it's anger. You've been blaming God for the last 27 years for something that happened in your life that wasn't God's fault. It's called the fall. It's called sin. Sin exists in life. And, and, And if you don't want any free will or choice at all, you can then, I guess, get angry at God. But that's not much love. And so we just start heaping anger on God and we start heaping bitterness on God and we start heaping all types of resentment on God and bad relationships and relationships that didn't work out very well. And so we just keep going and before we know it, there's not even much Jesus left, but yet we are living our life. Did you know that Jesus is worth all of you? Jesus is worth all of you. Not a portion of you. Not a percentage of you. All of you. And the reason we find someone like a Simeon who is a part of this group who's been waiting for the Messiah to come, and he gets so excited. Holy Spirit speaks and, he, and, and says, this is the one. And Simeon takes his child and says, God, you can, you can take my life now. I've lived it. This is amazing. Because he recognized the coming of the Messiah and what that actually meant. He didn't take the Messiah and says, okay, this is pretty cool, but now I'm going to set him in the back of the room and I'm going to start putting other stuff on top of him. He's going to be a great storage rack to hold all my junk. No, he he, he took this child and he says, you know what? We can't leave him in the the manger. You can't keep him in the manger because he came to redeem the entire world. You can't do that to him. And so he, he embraced him so much in his own life with transformation. He says, my life is now complete. It is now full. You can take my life, Lord. It doesn't matter. He calls it out for everybody to hear, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I'm good. maybe that's the opportunity that you have today and this next week is to start going, hey, you know what? Jesus does want a lot more of me. But for you to really understand all that God is and all that he's done through his son Jesus, maybe you need to start removing some stuff that you've thrown on top of God. And you go, a relationship that failed, and you get rid of that. Or maybe even over here, it's, it's just bitterness and resentfulness towards someone who wronged you. Or maybe it's everything that you actually, all the idols that you have in your life that you're holding on to so tight. And if you don't have all of those things in order, there's no way that you think God is good. Or maybe you think it's family, and you're dreading the fact that you have family coming. Because you know it's going to lead to an argument. You know it's going to lead to a fight. And so you've thrown that on God too. And you need to be able to remove that. Or maybe there's other things as well. And you just have to remove all these things. So that all of a sudden, once again, you can say, you know what? Jesus is in my life. And then you're even going to say, you know what? I need to use him for more than a clothes rack. And really allow him to jump into your life. Jesus is worth all of you. You see, when you acknowledge Jesus' hope, what you're actually saying is, God, you can have it all. Will you fully acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world? He's waiting. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I give you thanks for who you are. God, I I come before you and I acknowledge that you are the hope of the world. And so as a result of that, I praise you and I worship you. I will speak of you. I will share faithfully of your goodness. And I will proclaim to all people that you are my king. And I will not keep you in the nativity because you are greater than even that. You were born as a baby but grew into a man fully God. And you offered and sacrificed your entire life for us. And so, Lord, I will not keep you in the manger. I will let you come out and I will put you first and foremost in my life. Have your way with me. Have your way with this church. God, I pray for my friends. Who need to acknowledge that they've shoved you to the back of the room and put a lot of stuff on top of you. Give them courage. God heal broken marriages. Repair relationships that according to the world are gloom, but according to you can find new life. God, thank you for jumping into our life. We breathe you in, God give you thanks for your goodness. In Christ's name, amen.